Welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me tonight, as always, uh, well, not always, uh, Daniel was gone a couple weeks ago, but uh, joining me tonight is Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, I got a little bit of news to get into LSU-wise. We also had the uh, Final Four conclusion last night. Uh, Kansas overtakes UNC to claim the title. We'll get into that. And LSU basketball as well, because as it stands now, uh, like we don't even have enough to fill, to fill the team. We can't even do three. Can we even play 21 yet? Like as a team? I don't even know if we can do that. Uh, guys are saying no. So I don't think we can. Uh, we'll talk about that. Baseball had a, uh, I don't know, kind of an up and down week. They took the games against uh, Louisiana Monroe, but lost the series at Auburn. Uh, although it was close. Uh, Tigers weren't out of reach at all. Uh, but we can talk about that as well. Uh, and anything else that, that comes across our, our keen minds for our do one checking with you guys. Um, I think, I think Tommy might've even been at this game that, uh, that took place in NOLA last night. So yeah, man, how you guys doing? Tommy, how was the game? All that. Man, it was awesome. I got to go to the Superdome, had decent seats. Um, you know, it was real cool atmosphere. There's like 70,000 people there. So, uh, it was real packed and, and, yeah, I wasn't a f- necessarily a big fan of either team. I was I was rooting for Carolina because I lived in North Carolina for a little bit and had you know friends who went there and stuff. Yeah. But um, but it was just cool to be at like a, a cha- you know big time championship atmosphere. Uh, and you know there was it, there was a ton of people there and and it, I, the both the Carolina fans and the Kansas fans were pretty rabid, which was cool to see um was a little bit disappointed though because i never heard kansas do like the rock shock jayhawk thing which is like supposed to be like a big time like deal and i never did it so i i don't know if that was like i don't know if they can't do it if they're not in like the stadium like if they can't get it get everybody on sync or something or i don't know if they need like the loudspeaker to play it or something for them to all like do the chant but that's one thing i was like looking forward to and i didn't get to hear that but other than that um really good game fun experience uh and and even like you know it's in the superdome and you think like oh like they because they build that court on the field so like i was sitting in a normal superdome seat um so sometimes you get you get worried like are you gonna be able to see like you know or is it gonna be so far away but um i was in the second like second deck like not quote field level like not field level which you would be at the saints game but what one uh level up and I still saw really well. So, you know, good for good for the Superdome. Yeah, plus you got to see a, a really good game. Was it the biggest, like, comeback in uh, championship history, at least from the halftime when UNC was up by 15? Uh, kind of wild play on both sides. And then both teams had a chance to win it at the end. It's always a little bit disappointing uh, when the championship is a little bit of a come down. You see, like, the lead eight or final four games, like kind of the marquee game. And I think that's what kind of some people were thinking about, like Duke versus UNC in the final four which actually turned out to be a great game of its own, but this one uh, lived up to the billing as well. I was a little bit on the Kansas side just because in my one bracket, I picked Kansas to win it all. So I think this is the first time I actually picked the right winner. <laughs> Did you end up winning our, our little bracket? Who won that bracket challenge? We were in? Uh, in the friends league, one other person won it because they, there was one other person who also picked Kansas and they beat me by like one point. This was in like Benjamin's. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but it, it was still fun and yeah, exciting game. I watched it from home. I wish I could have been there with you, but you could, yeah, you could tell the student sections were both going crazy. Uh, it was, it was packed all the way up. I guess New Orleans puts on a good party either way. Always a good atmosphere. I saw a lot of tweets as like New Orleans should host every championship mm-hmm. event for like every sport. Uh, <laughs> and they got a pretty good reason why, uh, but I guess it was a good way to cap off the college basketball season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, no. when I was watching the game, I kind of got a little bit sad because I was like, man, like, this is, um, like, I feel like, with, especially with with kind of the way LSU's, like, season finished off and, like, obviously, like, the way it's finishing right now, like, I have not really cared about college basketball just because I've been, like, not or not that I haven't cared, but I haven't really wanted to watch a lot of the tournament just because I'm, like, it reminds me of what's had the, the dismantling of our program. But like being there, kind of being in the moment, I was like, man, college basketball is special. Like it, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I wish that uh, I wish that, you know, I wish I could be watching like LSU in, in a game like that. Yeah. And who knows, maybe under different circumstances, uh, you know, they, they could have. Uh, but hey, one day, Tommy, there's always that hope, right? Because um, we've we've been there before, uh, you know, most recently that was 2006. But still, uh, it's like you have to think. We can always get back there. Um, But I'm curious how they, I know they usually just fill up like half the dome, right? Did they put up like a huge curtain to split down the middle or was it just like a, kind of like a dark abyss and behind on the other side of the half? No, no, no. They filled the whole thing up. Oh, really? Pretty much. I mean, like, no, I mean, you could, you could see there were like empty seats, like at the highest levels, there were a few empty seats. But I'm not like there was no I, I know what you're talking about. Like it's kind of like yeah. what they did. They do the same thing when they play like um, when they play like a uh, like a, a football game in like a NFL stadium and like they're not going to be able to sell it like a college football game in an NFL stadium. And they'll like block off the top decks. No, like everything was available. Um, they put the court just in the middle. It was cl- the, the it was closer to like one end zone than the other so like it was actually further i was i was sitting um like across from one of the goals and there was more space between like my seat and the goal than like where then like across the way where the person sitting in like my like the seat parallel to mine would be so Mm. it was like a little bit the court was like positioned a little bit closer to like one side of the superdome but um the whole thing was open was was like open for seating and they built um they built stadium seating like they extended it because you know like obviously a football field is wider than a basketball court so they built like new stands that reached down to the court gotcha. so i mean like they they filled the thing up like i don't know what the i don't know what the uh the capacity of the Superdome is like during a Saints game. I think it's about like 65,000. 65. So yeah, they, they had 69 last night. That's what, that's what they announced. Like 69,000 is like the, um, or okay. So Daniel just looked it up 74,000. So, I mean, it was a near sellout of yeah. the entire Superdome wow. for, um, for a college bat for, you know, the NCAA tournament, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's what I was going to say is it's, you, you always hear good things about um, New Orleans being a good host city for, you know, things in general, but particularly the the final four. Um, I was curious also just another sidebar question. Cause you know, it's now it's the Caesars Superdome. Like, did they have like, did, was there like naming just kind of taking over the stadium or was like, I don't know. Did they have, I imagine you could bet in the stadium, right? Like they had, 
something. So like service was terrible in the stadium and I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi. So like that was, that was an issue for me. Um, Yeah. We, we got a text from you on the opening tip off like a video and we got it after the game was over. Yeah. So I was wondering if you had like taken it and sent it right when the game started and it didn't come through until the game was all. Oh, like I was finished. trying to send, like I was sending, um, I was sending a bunch of stuff. I was like, I, I was like trying to post to like my story and things and like texting people and like nothing was going through. So like, I couldn't, I didn't have service at all. And I, like I said, I couldn't connect to Wi-Fi. That was like an issue. In fact, it was hilarious. Um, I, I tried to connect to Wi-Fi and like these days in stadiums, like a lot of times, like, like when I was at the, when I, when I went to the, uh, the peach bowl in the Georgia dome, like, like service was like not an issue there. Cause like, you know, in the, in the newer stadiums, uh, they're like built for that. Like they yeah. understand people are, so the Superdome has not been retrofitted for, for, you know, cell phone service right now, but, right. um, I was sitting there. So I connect to the Wi-Fi, and it brings up this, uh, this message and it says, um, you know, something like there's a there's an error with your with this with this router please unplug the router and plug it back in and yeah. I, I, I was like okay like who, what usher do i need to go speak to and say hey can, can you plug the router back in it's about to reset the wi-fi and the whole super dome it's about to be a repeat of the, the super bowl when yeah, the lights, lights go out um but uh but yeah i mean the as far as like the caesar stuff like you could definitely tell like you know the Caesar like guy, like the the character that's in the commercials, mm-hmm. like like they he was like on a lot of pictures and stuff inside, but I wouldn't say it was like excessive. Um, I think it was probably as much or maybe a little bit more branding than like what Mercedes had when they was the Mercedes Superdome, but yeah. I wouldn't. It wasn't like you know obnoxious. At least I didn't notice it. Right. Yeah. No. I mean Mercedes. Uh stadium here in atlanta they i mean they have a couple car, like a few cars inside but no it's not i don't think it's overdone you know it's just it's not ad nauseum really uh, i was just curious because just from some of the stuff i saw like on the top of the dome on the side on you know i know the inside now is no i'm definitely on the side like yeah you're right like on the top it's that caesar because but but of course like that used to be the mercedes like circle logo yeah so yeah. now it's the caesar's like whatever you call it, the thing that he wears on his head, the wreath or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then on the side of the, the super game, like the way they like project, like they project the name of the, like they projected final four onto the side of the super game. And it, and on another part, it's it, they projected um Caesars, you know, super yeah. Yeah. so like yeah. that is still like there, but um, sure. yeah. Right on. Well, um, I thought it was a good game overall. I mean, it, <laughs> It had streaks, right? Like Kansas jumped out to a like I was like seven zero or something. Then UNC, like you said earlier, kind of took over in the first half and just pulled away until halftime. Forty to twenty five at halftime. I'm thinking, all right, UNC's bringing it. Uh, but then the second half was pretty much just all Kansas. Uh, I mean, UNC kind of kept up the fight. They only lost by three, uh, and it was a good game. But uh, you could just kind of see the momentum go towards Kansas side, not too long after the second half started. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I heard of some players throughout the year. I didn't really hear too much from either of these teams, but I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm just bringing that up because as it stands now, LSU doesn't have any, any scholarship players on their team. I know we're getting supposedly some transfers from Murray state, but I don't know. It's just, it's different how much, a 
you know, just a, a few months make. And, you know, you're saying, Tommy, uh, you know, when, we, when would we ever see a Final Four again? I don't know. It's a good question. But I guess this is something I thought about just looking at Kansas and Bill Self being there. I know Will Wade was guilty. You know, he was caught on tape saying things. He has all these fine, these levies, these, uh, what do you call it? Level one violation or level five, whatever these violations are levied against him. But if you look at the, the statute of it, Bill Self has the same ones. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, I feel, I don't feel like Scott Woodward would have ever, would there would have been a situation where he would have wanted to keep Will Wade, but I don't know. I just, I can't help but wonder. It's like after the, you know, they, they came out against Bill Self about what, what he had done. Kansas signed him, signed him to a lifetime contract. <laughs> and he, I don't know. He seems like they just went in the opposite direction. So I'm wondering is like, did I just need either of you to convince me? Yes, we did the right thing in firing mm-hmm. Will Wade and starting all over again, because it is a complete starting over from scratch. Uh, Cause I knew some guys would leave. I knew some, I knew Tari Eason was probably going to go pro anyway, but I didn't think that everyone would get up and get off of the team. Uh-huh. So it makes me think, you know, a few things. All right. So none of these guys had any sort of attachment to the school, the city, the state, the program, nothing. It was all about just Will Wade. Yeah. Right. Cause if he, if Will Wade's well, gone and there's these core players though, you think, well, hey, well, you know, we were good this year, Matt, you know, next year we can start over. They have a core group of players they could play with except for maybe Tari Eason. But no, they just all kind of they're all going there. They're they they do not even know where they're going yet. They're just kind of up in the air, which makes me wonder, they just is this a symbolic thing and they're gonna some of them come back or or what? But like I, I've never seen anything like this before. So do you think LSU I don't know, is it would have been feasible to just keep Will Wade, deal with the punishment as it comes, and then just, you know, eventually the clouds would be lifted. And maybe they'd return to, you know, being able to compete competitively or, or do you agree with the initial decision, fire him and start completely over? Well, a lot of LSU fans were upset online once they got to the national championship matchup. They're saying that, but like you had mentioned, Will Wade is fired and, but the national championship is between Bill Self, who had the same allegations as Will Wade and UNC who just a few years ago, uh, was caught up in their own scandal where I think over a hundred players were uh, of various sports were found to have taken like fake classes mm-hmm. where they just got assigned like A's on their uh, transcript without even attending a real class. Uh, so the, the corruption is, is not so just centered in Baton Rouge. It's fairly widespread. And a lot of the same things were against coach K also at Duke um, and Calipari Kentucky. You can go on and on with that. Yeah. So LSU is trying to be kind of the, the good guy in this instance and say like, all right, we cleaned the house and we moved on. Uh, but it, the, if these coaches are still around and they're winning championships, then it does seem a bit pointless. I see what you're saying. I, I guess it's good to kind of move on from what was at least in the media's eye, kind of a bit of a toxic relationship, but Will Wade was getting a reasonable job done on the court and definitely on the recruiting trail as well. But yeah. the the mass exodus of all 11 scholarship players is a bit shocking. Like you mentioned, maybe some will return, but I personally think that's doubtful. Um, these guys are saying like, all right, I was recruited by Will Wade and the other assistant coaches that we've also fired. So I don't need to stay and play with this guy. 
uh, Matt McMahon, who I don't know, and I'm not getting paid by the same guy as well. Maybe their, their checks aren't coming in. Also, uh, there's still some kind of looming uh, stuff with LSU basketball regarding their kind of postseason bans and scholarship restrictions. That could happen as well. I believe that currently we're planning on holding back two scholarships for this class uh, because we're kind of expecting that to come in. We only have one commitment right now, so it's not like it would even hurt us to do so. Uh, and then we're probably going to have another complete team of transfers uh, when we get some of these more players from Murray State and other kind of mid-majors. So 2022 season is going to be pretty rough in that regard. Uh, I mean, whether – we kind of talked about this the past couple of pods, whether Coach McMahon can build back up from the beginning is – is yet to be seen, but I think it was good that we moved on, but yeah, it does kind of paint us in a little bit of a bad light that we are the ones to kind of strike down our own right hand with Will Wade while the others move on to, to glory. I don't know if you have anything else to add there, Tommy. I mean, I, well, I, I think that, I think that there's only one, there's only one thing that matters if, in Scott Woodward's decision on this and it's football. It, you know, you might not think it has anything to do with basketball, but I think it has everything to do with this decision. I think that uh, the reason that Kansas has no problem giving a lifetime contract to a guy who has level one violations is because what do they have to lose? That's their, that is their football. That is their bread and butter program. So like, I think that if, if, you know, the tables are turned and there's some violations, you know, against Will Wade, the football coach, I could see Scott Woodward sticking to his guns and be like, "Mm, you know, we're going to ride this out because we're a football school. But I know that um, throughout this entire process of, of, you know, Will Wade and his uh, his issues, they've always like linked it to the university as a whole, the sports program as a whole, and and have like tried to tie it into also like, oh, like, you know, this is a, a systemic thing that like football has dealt with, too. And I think that if uh, if Scott Woodward, it, I think that he, you know, if he could protect football by firing will wade and and basically offering the basketball program as sacrifice i think he would do it and i think he probably did do it um and i'm fine with that i mean we're because the, because the fact is is like I'm like you know I, I mean i know i did i know i just said i want like man i wish i could be watching lsu in like a game like that which i do wish but like realistically we're not a basketball school and you know could we get to that point sure like you know but it's going to take a lot of time and it's and we but we are a football school you know it's like we saw in 2019 we could go from a a average middling to good team to a great team overnight basically and that's just because just like how carolina is a you know especially at the beginning of this year was not very good lost games they shouldn't but they but they have that brand they have that that uh that pedigree to where they're still getting the top level athletes on an off year and when it all comes down to it like they can put it together and and make it to a national championship you know it's the same thing and so i think for these teams like carolina duke kansas even kentucky it's a lot easier for them to stick by a guy who maybe uh who's like found cheating or you know has a violation or something because they're like well this is our this is our thing so yeah, we're going to stick with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because 
And this is this is something else I was thinking about. Just like, well, what if you know, what if they held on to Will Wade and still won something? Not that they're, I don't think they're going to win the tournament this year. But you know, what if they, even if they just won the SEC tournament and they just went like a quick run, because you know, aside from one game, you could make the argument that they were in pretty much any game this season, right? Except for that Auburn atrocity game. Um, but technically, you know, I feel like they had a chance whether it was short-lived or not um but what what i thought was like what if we did go out and win something and then later you know the sanctions come down and then you know they want to take it away at that point who cares you know a lot of fans are saying oh yeah they you know they're taking money from our lady the lake to pay their football players which you know we all know is not the case but you know it just got me thinking oh yeah what if something really bad did come down and for whatever reason, they wanted to pull back the national championship. You know what? They could, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't take away <laughs> the feeling that everyone had that whole season that culminated in that championship. Like, you, you can take away the title, but you, you're not going to take away all that. And you're not going to take away our belief that we know that was probably the greatest college football team uh, to ever win a title. So, uh, you know, you can take it away, but you're not really taking anything away that, you know, as far as what we believe. So, I don't know. I guess that was my thought on the whole Will Wade thing was, you know, what if he did win something and, you know, eventually, I don't know that we're ever going to get the death penalty, right? But I, but I understand what you're saying about um, trying to protect football. I just, I um, think he was very good. I don't, I don't think he was great. And I don't I think agree. it's, I don't think it's worth, like, I think that from Scott Woodward's perspective, it's like, you know, compared to the people who he's hired just in the time he's been here, you know, hiring Brian Kelly, Kim Mulkey, like he's not, it's not like he has Calipari and Calipari gets caught and he's like, all right, I'm about to fire Calipari. It's like, no, Will Wade is a good coach and he's did a, he did a good job, but you know what? All the recruits, all the five stars, how did they play out this year for us on the court? Middling. You know, we all had, right. we, had we had right. a bunch of five stars. We had a bunch of really good players. We had a bunch of talented players. But yeah. last year was better than this year. And last year, I think on paper, we had a worse team. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our player, player development overall is definitely a question in his, yeah. his repertoire. Well, yeah. I mean, you could see that uh, he had got this team focused on defense. And they were, you know, one of the best defensive teams in the country. But that's that wasn't why we, you know – why we were, uh, uh, what was it, a, like a six seed, seven seed or whatever? We were because, you know, we didn't focus on offense either. It's like it, it was just improv. So there were, there were definitely gaps there in the, uh, in the Will Wade system. But enough about him. Uh, it's on to the Matt McMahon era. Uh, I mean, he's kind of rounded out his staff. I think he's got some transfers from Mary State. Uh, I read somewhere that there was another transfer coming in. The, the guy originally from Louisiana um, but I don't know. I, we're starting over from scratch there and we're going to see what happens. Uh, we are not start. Well, I guess we're kind of starting over in baseball, but not from scratch. Uh, but the Tigers had, a they were pretty much, you know, went 500 for the week. Uh, though at least they did not give up another close in-state game. Uh, they, they ended up beating ULM 15 to four great offensive showing uh, right before the, the series with Auburn. Uh, they ended up losing one to two, but I mean, they lost six to five and six to four in, in those games. So, you know, you could say, well, they just didn't have enough for those games. Um, I, I still like our chances, 
Uh, we did win nine two in the in the middle game. Um, I don't know. I think it just goes back to possibly what I was saying. You know, the Tigers have enough bats. It's just a bit depends on what kind of pitching they can get. You know, they're going to have good outings. They're going to have okay outings. Um, and you know, I, I think our guys can get on streaks enough to where we can win some games and, and just series enough to games enough to win the series and be in a good position. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be a work in progress all season. We're going to see a lot of these one, two, two, one games, I think, uh, especially with the the bulk, like the meat of our schedule, because I don't even think we've got into this conference's best pitching yet. Um, I don't know. I mean, our records were pretty similar with Auburn and just looking at the scores. I mean, you know, even though we, we didn't win the series, uh, it's like we were pretty close. I'd say we were pretty evenly matched, um, not like ULM. So, I don't know. I, I guess that's my take going forward is it, it's going to be almost a crapshoot on whether we're going to come out on the top end of some of these games and series or we're like we're just not going to cut it. quite Not quite yet. Um, but I, I think that all goes back to pitching because yeah. Lord knows the offense is there, right? Yeah, I agree. I think the kind of the same struggles that we showed in the past kind of reared their heads against this Auburn team, who, like you said, were pretty close. We both finished the series 19 and nine. Uh, the first game, uh, Blake Money had a good outing through, through six inning shutout, and then he just lost his stuff. And I think Jay Johnson left him in a little bit too long. Uh, a yeah. few key errors in the same inning uh, led to a three run home run, and that was all six of their runs in that game in that one inning. And then it, LSU just couldn't uh, come back at the end. So that's a, a tough way to lose a game when you, you're doing so well. And you could tell he was kind of fading away, but you, you hold off the relief. You're trying to squeeze one more inning out of it. And the, it just isn't there. And a similar situation almost happened again on the, the Friday game, which I was at um, when Kayla Hillier was throwing, he put on a good performance as well. Uh, but they, they put in the relief a little bit earlier, although they know he can't quite go so many innings. And then that continued on, and we scored a bunch at the end to take it away. So that was a fun one to go to, at least, the one that we did win out of the three. And it was almost a similar story on the the last game where we put in a bit of a comeback effort, but the relief pitching on that one didn't help us out so much. And it's just the, the same errors, one or two per game, uh, leading to a couple runs is, is not what you need when the pitching isn't so dominant for our team. And the, the bats are enough to take at least one one or two out of every series but we're not good enough top to bottom, I think, in our pitching lineup to, to sweep these better SEC opponents. And we're going against Mississippi State this year or this week, who is the reigning national champion, but they're a little bit down this year. I think they actually have a worse record than us. Yeah. Uh, but it's in Starkville and their fans always show up. So that's going to be a tough one. I think if you win one of those three, then you're fairly happy. And to win the series would be big. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But right now it's just kind of a treading water type of program It's better than last year. I think in the fact that last year we were in a straight up slump in the middle of the season, losing every, we were losing a bunch of midweek games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we're losing like uh, game after game. And this one, like you can see the potential there. It just, the puzzle pieces haven't quite come together as they're trying to gel with Jay Johnson. And hopefully he can get that uh, later in the season. Cause we're already basically mm-hmm. almost two thirds in, which it's gone by really fast. It's, yeah, it's crazy yeah. how fast it's gone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that I think that it's uh, at this point. I I actually I like I was not terribly impressed with Auburn because I, I watched them play Ole Miss um, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and I felt like I felt like we were better than than Auburn. Um, so I was kind of disappointed that we ended up you know losing the series. But I mean, you're right. They were both we were we were in both games, and 
the offense is clearly not an issue. Um, errors are another thing, another bat, another, you know, thing that's eating us up. And it's weird because like we've matured in terms of like years of defense last year, we're starting like three true freshmen and this year, like none of them. So you think we'd be better. But and it's really like the, the true freshman last year, like, like uh, Jordan Thompson was like good in the field last year. And like, uh-huh. now he's not that, I don't know. Maybe it's just like something, maybe it's as simple as they're just not spending, you know, it's like they spend more time on hitting because that's what they care about. You know, I don't know. It's a weird, it's weird, but uh, I hope we can get it sorted out. But also I feel like uh, kind of feel like this baseball season's already kind of a wash. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we're, we just are not like this team is not going to be, a big time contender, like which, we, which is tough because before the season, the expectations were very high. Like people were. were saying Omaha bound, like next national championship. Like this was the year with big, like, cause last year is promising freshman coming back. Plus Jacob Berry and other transfers just coming don't in. Have the pitching. Right. That's the, that's the thing. And like, I think that that was something we, we, I remember like going into the season, maybe the, the optimistic thing was like, Oh, like there could be like a new guy who we just don't know. And like, he steps up and he turns into like the next, you know nola or something but no like we just we just don't have anybody right now and hopefully we pick some people up like you know you think you think about next year um you know with like cruises last year trey morgan's last year i would think barry's last year although i've heard he's like maybe draft eligible as a sophomore i'm not sure about that that's kind of weird um but like you know this freshman class that you're talking about daniel like this will be their like kind of last year if we can bring in some pitching next year, like, yes, this team could be, but right now, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like our pitching. I don't like the, I don't, I don't think that we have a solid rotation to really take us very far. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I think we could, you know, make the postseason. We'll, we'll probably end up in some regional out in mountain or Pacific coast time somewhere, probably um, because we just have too much talent to, sit at home in the postseason, but I, I agree. I mean, our, our pitching is just not, not what we're used to. It's like just even to have one solid starter, that's usually been the case. Like that's, they've, they've gotten to Omaha before with like one to maybe one and a half yeah. uh, solid starters. Uh, but I, and I think Daniel touched on something earlier when he said about uh, Jay Johnson leaving money in too long. Uh, I saw that against uh, Florida too. I think just just going back and looking at the at the at the at the game plays and just seeing what all happened before he finally pulled the guy, and it's like you look at the same thing with Florida. Their guy got a I think a home run hit against him, and he had a double, and then then they pulled him out like one or two batters later. Meanwhile. <laughs> Blake Money had a, a home run hit, then another home run, then a double, then a walk, then a hit batter. And then it's like three or four more batters later, that's when he finally gets pulled. I'm just wondering. It's like, oh, I, I've seen it before. Like, I know the pros do it. And I, I think, you know, we've seen it before with uh, with some of our previous uh, teams. But I'm talking about like Alex Lang. Like, Maneri used to do this. Alex Lang could give up four runs in the first inning and then nothing the rest of the game. Yeah. And it was okay because we knew it was Alex Lang, but I just don't feel like we have that, that caliber of a pitcher to let him just pitch through a bad inning, hoping, you know, especially with our fielding errors, hoping that we just get out of the inning with any more damage. But um, I I don't know. I, me as a, just someone that's watching the game, if, if they've already put two runs on or two runs across the plate, 
and there's like no outs, like how do you not have at least two guys in the in the pin warming up at that point and just or even before then, I don't know. Um yeah, it's just bizarre to me. Uh, but I don't know. I never I never coached the game, never played the game. Well, to, to that point, a lot of these guys who were starting are converted relievers, mm-hmm. like from last yeah. year. And so even though you're stretching them out a little bit more, they're not used to going more than like three innings yeah. in an outing. And now you're asking them to throw six. So yeah, the drop-off is going to be expected. You can convert that, but they're not the the born and bred, like inning shooting starters that we've seen in the past. Uh, yeah. So it forces you to change up your game plan and make more adjustments on the fly. Uh, and unfortunately we don't really have the depth. I think uh, Javen Coleman was a guy who we were expecting to lean on a lot this year and he's been hurt. Uh, so he hasn't been able to throw as much. And we haven't seen a lot from Will Helmers either, who I think was expected to go. Uh, yeah. So and we've been thin and we've been throwing the same like relievers, Gervais, Dutton, uh, Vitmeyer, and then Fontenot kind of every single game. And when that happens, they get, uh, touched up as well and we've seen a lot of giving up runs like the eight and the ninth inning mm-hmm. because now they're playing every single game so they get uh, a little bit out of it also so um i mean that's not really a problem you can fix you can't just bring in more pitchers but <laughs> uh maybe some sort of tactical change is necessary i'm not the the baseball mind to crack the code there yeah right but uh, i don't know if i'm jay johnson i know what i'm focusing my uh, my scholarships on this that in the portal like you know i know what i'm looking yeah. for in the portal yeah pitching pitching uh but as you said we have mississippi state coming up hopefully we can take a series from them since they are kind of in a down year after the uh after that glorious lone national title that school has uh but yeah i mean we you know we still have just looking at the rest of the schedule man it's i don't know like if we're having trouble with auburn i don't know uh but we do have time right so if we can get past this season or this, excuse me, if we can get past this series with Mississippi state, I don't know. I think it's just a constant reassessment, but uh, we'll see where we go from here. Um, I don't know. I think that's all we had on baseball. Um, do you guys been able to watch any, uh, any stuff coming out of practice LSU football? <clears throat> I'm going to say that again. You guys been able to, you guys see anything that's coming out of a LSU football practice this week? I don't really see anything that was, you know, eye-opening, eye-turning, you know, just kind of run-of-the-mill stuff. But, I don't know, you just, you just kind of got a little bit more in-depth on some of these coaches, maybe, on what they're thinking, how they want to approach this season. But I know one thing. We didn't lose a bunch of guys. We fired our coach, but we didn't lose a bunch of football players. So I guess I'm thankful for that. Um, I didn't really see, like, a whole lot of the details, but one thing I thought was interesting is that Brian Kelly hosted, like, an open-to-media full oh, yeah. practice, and that was the first time LSU had done this, like, in years. Mm-hmm. Normally, they only give the media, like, a 15-minute window or something to, to see. Yeah. But I guess I, mean, I guess it's a good thing that he's uh, content enough with the way things are going so far to let people watch the whole thing and not just kind of a slice of life, like, here's our best 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I guess progress is, is coming along, and – I mean, while he's tuned out of that, they got the pro day coming up tomorrow with 16 players, including Derek Stingley kind of highlighting and then a a whole bunch of others. But yeah, I I guess things are going well. He's still got the three-man quarterback battle or maybe even four-man if you want to throw everybody in there, which continues to be the big story. But um, it seems like Kelly is running a a fairly tight ship at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, but he had uh, Honey Badger there this week kind of walking around campus, uh, reliving some glory days, talking to the guys. 
and then I think he he actually had a meeting with the Saints today, which I think a lot of a lot of people in Louisiana would be happy with that if he came back and played in his hometown in New Orleans for the Saints. Uh, I think that'd be great. Um, I know, but what I'm seeing is a lot of talk of him being a coach at LSU, which I think would be great. I mean, he could start out as a position coach, but I, it would just be weird to see him as a head coach there one day. But I mean, he could definitely be uh, be the field general for DBU. I can't imagine anyone better. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, um, I don't know. Anything else uh, stick out to you guys this week, sports uh, or otherwise? Not a whole lot. I, I guess the the NFL people are keen to see how Stingley runs in his pro day, considering this is his face, his first like athletic event, basically since the early like September. Yeah. Early of the season last year, as he came back from that list, Frank injury, which is a pretty serious one. That's like taking a lot of people's careers out um, the ankle injury. So I guess hopefully he'll, he'll be at his best and he's basically forced into this situation because otherwise his draft stock kind of maybe in question, if teams are like, does he even have anything left in the tank after yeah. sitting out for so long? Uh, but good luck to him. And then all the other players, we might have some news if anybody goes for a crazy 40 time or uh, vertical in that. And as we move into draft season, that's always kind of exciting, but I guess that was about it. Oh, and then they got the, the masters coming up this week. So big golf, yeah. uh, former LSU tiger, Sam Burns just won the Valspar championship. He's ranked like number 10 in the world. So I think he's kind of one of the betting favorites in this one. So good luck to him there. And hopefully tiger plays as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, let me ask you th- this about uh, LSU pro day tomorrow. Do you think that Stingley has to like put on an incredible show or does he just kind of have to show, yep, I can move around, still got the same, you know, football instincts and, yeah, draft me at number six or, or, or whatever. Or do you think he, like, really has to go out and prove, like, kind of like his freshman year where he was just on it? Because, you know, I think we could all agree that maybe his sophomore season and junior season were kind of, I don't know, you know, pedestrian. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know. I, I think that – I think that I would like for him to have to go out and put on a show and kind of return to form and be like, look, I'm still the guy, but I, I don't think he has to. I think that, I think that they're going to pay him a lot of money to do like one thing very well. And that's put a guy on an Island and you never hear from him the whole game. And that's all he has to do. And even, even in his, you know, the, the two seasons where he kind of struggled, he was still able to lock down, you know, a receiver relatively well and, and stay on him. Um, you know, you had a few, of uh, examples of him like blowing coverage against, uh, you know, uh, gosh, there's a one is Alabama. Devontae Smith. Yeah. Devontae Smith, but the Heisman trophy winner, like, so I feel like he, uh, I don't think he has to prove too much. I mean, I, now that being said, I think it's, I think it's kind of like, not unfair because i mean he's obviously talented but it's like okay you did sit out for two years and now you're just gonna go out here and be the fifth pick overall but i think he probably will be even even without having a bad i mean even without having just a stellar pro day i hope he goes out there and has an awesome pro day though i hope he goes out there and is like yeah look i'm still the same guy i just had bad luck my two sophomore and junior season one thing i wouldn't be surprised by is if the narrative around Stingley kind of becomes a bit similar to Jamar Chase, who sat out the whole 2021 season after the national championship. He then, like when he has like, he has like one bad, like one bad, like 
drill and then they're like oh he forgot how to cover yeah and then lsu fans kind of soured on him they're like oh he's being a big baby sitting out he just wants to play for the nfl and then at the preseason nfl he's like doing bad and but then the Bengals start taking off and everybody's back on the bandwagon they're like oh we loved him the whole time and then now the same thing is kind of happening with stingley like after the championship like oh he's sitting out uh he's playing for his pro stock he's kind of faking injuries etc etc and then he some he goes on to be whatever number eight pick and then he's locking it down in the league and playing great and then they're going to say that oh we loved him as well and he was our savior uh so that wouldn't be the the weirdest thing to happen but i uh, wish him and all the rest of the players the best and i think he just has to put on a decent performance decent 40 times show he can move around uh assuage some of the nfl gm's fears and he'll, he'll still be a pretty high pick yeah oh speaking of coming and putting up a good 40 time i wonder if there's going to be some former lsu track star that can like come in with like a blazing 40 speed and maybe some other drills and uh maybe catch an eye kind of like Cyril Grayson did a few years ago because they they, I think they opened up the pro day to former players you know as long as they want to come and like you know uh, you know exercise their skills they can and I think you know even former track stars like like Cyril Grayson did who's now in the league uh cut a touchdown pass from Tom Brady so there you go I don't know I just think that's always cool it's interesting uh I don't know of any off the top of my head, but uh, that could be something too. Another great storyline. Uh, but I don't know. I think that's that's pretty much all we got this week. Um, so unless you got something else, we'll probably just uh, wrap it up here and uh, catch everyone else on the other side of this Mississippi State series. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the Masters weekend. Uh, not too far away from you, Scott. I'm sure there's been mm-hmm. a little bit of buzz around that. Uh, and should be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the bad weather's coming through now, so it should be a, a really good weekend for it, too. Well, there we go. Um, all right, well, I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have the recap of this ba- baseball series against Mississippi State and, of course, uh, this uh, midweek game against Grambling that they're going to have. All right, so, yeah, we, we still got a couple more weeks of LSU football practice uh but uh, who knows we might get some updates might get a transfer you never know uh but until then uh stay safe stay tuned and we will catch you next time on talking to you.